Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by former assistant captain of the BU women's hockey team and Isabel Cup champion with the Boston Pride, Kaylee Fratkin. Uh, Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and how's everything going? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, good. Just in the uh, tail end of our season, getting into playoffs, so uh, pretty busy, to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that they're going to play at Mullet Arena. That's pretty cool. How excited are you guys to go up to Arizona and do that? Yeah, uh, pretty pumped. I, um, my family actually has a house, um, a second house in Arizona. So, uh, and I have family and cousins there. So really hoping we get a chance to play the final there, uh, just cause it'll kind of almost be like a home game or, you know, like a hometown type of game for, for me and my family. So excited about that. Yeah, that new arena looks awesome, and I think it's good for women's hockey because you're going to different places outside of, like, the Midwest and the East Coast. So hopefully people that don't usually get the chance to watch women's hockey will come out to that event and support you guys. Yeah, women's hockey is just, like, booming in the Phoenix area. So with their youth hockey systems and even just with their club team at ASU on the women's side. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's a great opportunity and Mullet Arena looks awesome just seeing the videos of everything that they've done. So, um, I think it'll be a really cool venue to play a game in. Now, just in general, how is everything going for yourself? I know you're currently in the PHF. Um, and I recently saw you that you were calling the UConn Northeastern game about a month ago as well. That was pretty cool to see you there. But, uh, besides hockey, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, uh, the floor is all yours, I guess. Uh, no, I just, I spend a lot of time in the game. Um, you know, have spent a lot of time in the PHF, uh, just growing women's professional hockey, just cause it's a brand new kind of landscape for the last eight years. And then, uh, spent a lot of time, like you said, doing some broadcasts at the college level when I'm not playing. Um, I also have another full-time job in marketing for, for Timberland. So I also do that. Um, and I spend time on the players association with the PHF. So, uh, pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. How do you, uh, how do you like practice broadcasting? Because I feel like that's, it's, it's sort of, I don't know how I, it's something that I want to get into, but I'm trying to figure out like how I can like work on my craft a little bit before jumping into it. Cause I just don't want to sound like too raw. That's why I'm very impressed by yourself when I heard you call that game. Cause you sounded very good. Oh, thank you. I, um, I, I wish I could work on it a lot more than, than I have the opportunity to. I actually started my first game I ever did was a radio broadcast when I was 15, um, and it was my brother's uh, BCHL game. He was playing uh, for the Prince George Spruce Kings at the time, or maybe it was Merritt Centennials, one of the BCHL teams, and um, hit the play-by-play guy needed uh, a color analyst, and he was like, hey, do you want to do this? I know you play hockey. And uh, so I did it for the first time ever on that radio broadcast, and I was kind of hooked but I I wish I could do it full time like that would mm-hmm. be kind of the dream job. But it, it really, I think, takes a lot of just watching and studying. The biggest thing is you have to do a ton of research, I think, into every single player and everything that you do. So um, I think the best way to kind of get really good at it would be a practice. Uh, radio, TV, whatever it is, um, high school games, youth games, like you name it. And then um, I think the other portion of it is just like doing your homework and, and knowing, you know, who's playing and knowing the players. Um, at least that's kind of what I've focused on. And um, I'm still learning and growing and have a lot more more growth to, to be had on the broadcast side. But, yeah, no, it's um, that UConn game was pretty cool. That rink is awesome. The new facility and. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's some, what's your thoughts just on college hockey in general so far this year since you have been watching and doing some research? And this tournament starts today at the time of this recording, so who do you have winning at all? Oh, well, we'll see. I, you know, um, it's hard. You kind of have a little bit of, um, you know, uh, not having BU anywhere remotely close to being in it. Um, you have to side with a hockey's team almost. <laughs> I have a little bit of a... Um, you know, like a bias, I guess, to a hockey's team. Um, but you know, there's, there's other teams that have been doing really well. And just to see the growth of the Ivy League conference and seeing Yale, um, you know, have a really good season so far. So, um, I don't know. I have to guess maybe I'd love to see Northeastern kind of do it after winning six titles, uh, at, at the hockey's. So, um, either way, there's great, great college mm-hmm. players, uh, playing left. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm pretty neutral on it. I really don't care who wins. I think Ohio State, I think they've been the best team in women's college hockey this year. So, and they have so much talent on like each position group, like defense, offense, and obviously their goaltender is very solid as well. So I feel like when you have so much depth and you're very well coached, you usually go in big runs. And I feel like they have a very good team this year to do it again. Yeah, they've done a lot of building over the last, I'd say, five years. Um, and they have a really good head coach there that's built a great program. But um, I love a good underdog story, so mm-hmm. stick with my underdogs. <laughs> so let's dive into your hockey career and just talk about your career with Boston University. So uh, doing some research on yourself, it says that you're from Burnaby, British Columbia. So talk about growing up there and how did you start playing hockey? Yeah, I grew up in Burnaby. Um, Burnaby's kind of like a hockey hotbed, really, for for men's hockey um, in particular. But um, grew up because I had two older brothers playing. Uh, my oldest brother's like five years older, and then we have another brother in between us. Uh, and that's really why I started was because of them. And um, you know, we had being in Burnaby, there was just like a ton of programs. We grew up playing at the Burnaby Winter Club, and um, and that was just kind of. Sorry. It's my dog in the background. It's all good. Yeah, so I just grew up playing in Burnaby and then uh, played all my youth hockey there um, and then uh, played men's hockey kind of all the way through and then then uh, switched over when I went to BU. Who's your favorite player growing up? Um, I always loved Pavel Datsuk. Um, that was kind of a player that... I remember the first, his rookie season, he was playing against the Vancouver Canucks, and um, my my dad loved all the European players. He was very big into kind of the, the Soviet um, kind of regime of, of hockey players, and uh, kind of like just growing up, Pavel Bure was always someone that we talked about in our household, and then as Datsuk was kind of forming his career in the NHL when I was growing up, um, he was kind of a player that... We, you know, me and my brothers always, you know, loved, even though he was a forward, at least for me, just a a, a player that um, made hockey exciting. He kind of changed the game. So he was always my favorite player. I've I've seen you stick handle a few times before, and I feel I see some Datsuk in that. So you definitely <laughs> learn from him a little bit, even as a defender. Yeah. And, I, you know, number 13 in the style. <laughs> but yeah, no, not not remotely anywhere in the same hemisphere as him in, in regards to skill. But Yeah. You should try it. If you ever, I don't know, if you ever have another chance to do a shootout, I feel like you should try one of his uh, moves in CEL. Like, the, especially the one where, I don't know if this is Datsuk, but, like, he does the one where he, like, pokes the stick. Like, he fakes the goalie, and the goalie bites one way, and then he pokes the stick on the after net. I feel like you should try that one time. I think that would be cool. Okay, I'll give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> at least in practice, at least. Yeah. yeah. 
But uh, before college hockey, uh, you, you before heading to BU, you played for a bunch of different places. Uh, one of them I found interesting was you played for a boys hockey team called the Vancouver Northwest Giants, where you helped lead the Giants to a 2010 provincial championship. So firstly, how did you get the opportunity to join a boys hockey team and uh, just talk about your experience there? Yeah, um, I really played boys all the way through, and the Northwest Giants team was, uh, I think the landscape of, of minor hockey uh, has definitely changed, uh, you know, since I was there. But um, at the time, major midget was kind of the, the, the biggest thing. And so there was a lot of guys that before they were going off to um, to the WHL or they were going off to the BCHL or, quite honestly, their draft year was probably the year after, um, really came through the, the major midget system. If you kind of just like look at the alumni that have come through there and um, the Northwest Giants was a team in my district. So depending on like where you lived um, and they were they were the top team. Um, and so it was a very competitive kind of district to be a part of. And I went to, to tryouts um, and I went through the long couple months of tryouts every single game. I never you know, every single guy kind of got to um you know, sit out a couple games if the farther they got along, if they were going to be making the team. And I didn't. I had to play in every single exhibition game possible and um, kind of got put through the ringer. And um, and I was fortunate enough to make the team. Um, so, yeah, that season was a really cool season. Uh, we won the Max tournament, which is like a big ma- major uh, midget tournament in, in Northwest Canada, or sorry, in the Pacific Northwest, um, kind of Alberta tournament. And, uh and yeah, it was a pretty cool season. I'm assuming you were the only girl on the team. How what's that dynamic like? Um, just playing with a bunch of uh, teenage boys. Yeah, that was kind of the story of my life growing up. I was <laughs> up at, you know, the the only girl. That's kind of how it was. Um, you know, which is which is too bad. Now it's a totally different landscape. I think girls hockey in in British Columbia has just blossomed and um, and has grown so much. And there's just it's totally different now. I think if I was growing up now, I probably would be playing girls. Um, but yeah, I, I was always the only girl. And I, I think all of my peers kind of just treated me like another, you know, just another player on the team. No one really, yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a very good experience playing boys hockey. Um, I think also I was just used to having two older brothers. So for me, it was, you know, I was just another one of the guys, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I did my fair share of, changing in different locker rooms and changing in, you know, closets and you name it. Um, but, you know, wouldn't have, I guess, changed it. Um, you know, now, definitely, like I said, probably would have been playing girls hockey. So, um, yeah. Now, you also had the chance to represent Team Canada in the U18 World Championships back in 2009. Uh, what was it like getting the chance and what was it like getting the opportunity to represent your country and have that experience playing for, with the best players in the world in your age group? And uh, what was it like winning a silver medal as well in that tournament? And was that the first time you got to play on an all-girls team? Yeah, it was um, pretty much like the Team BC, like Team British Columbia, and then Team Canada stuff was really the kind of the only opportunities I was really playing with girls um, prior to BU. And, yeah, I mean, anytime you have a chance to kind of represent your country and be considered one of the top you know, hockey players at whatever age group is, is certainly something, um, you know, special. And for me, that was kind of the start of, 
you know, really knowing that maybe there's a future uh, in, in hockey and kind of the, the sky was the limit um, just in regards to um, what was available for women's hockey at the time. And so that was always a goal of mine to, to play for Team Canada in, in, in any way. And, um, and yeah, it was cool. I mean, the, unfortunately, we didn't get gold that year, but, um, you know, we it was just a cool experience. It just kind of was, a I guess, my first really look at, playing internationally and playing against different countries and um, to do it at a young age is, is always special, but really opened the the door for kind of what was available for, for female hockey players. And talk a little bit about your recruitment process to Boston University and why did you choose to go there for some of the schools you might have looked at and how did they find you? Because uh, most of the players I talked to today, there's certain leagues that coaches look at. I feel like it must have been hard for them to find you playing in British Columbia in a boys league. Yeah, it was, uh, my recruitment process was, was interesting. Like I played, you know, maybe like a tournament in here and there, there was a, a team called the, um, and they're still around. They play in the JWHL, um, the Pacific Steelers and they always did, um, tournaments kind of in the summer. And, um, I played like as a, like an alternate for their teams just here and there. Cause A, I was like so much younger than everyone and B, it was like an opportunity to get seen by some colleges. Um, and I did that very, you know, sparingly, maybe like, a, you know, you know, four or five kind of tournaments with them. Um, and so that's where I kind of got seen uh, at those tournaments. And then because I was playing um, for Team BC going to nationals and um, I went to Canada Winter Games and um, kind of like I said, those tournaments with, you know, Team Canada or your provincial team, that's really the only time I got noticed. I actually was interesting um there was scouts coming to watch my teammates my boy teammates play and uh northeastern their assistant their men's assistant coach at the time um was actually at my practice watching my teammates um to recruit them and after he pulled me aside and he was like do you you know our our head coaches at northeastern you know they're interested in you for obviously the women's team um you know do you have an interest in going there? So it, it was almost like the men's team was doing recruitment for, you know, my, my male teammates or my boy teammates. But uh, at the same time, they were like, hey, you know, do you have an interest of maybe coming to our school to play on the women's team? So um, that was kind of funny. That happened a couple of times with a couple of schools. But, um, you know, for the most part, it was just kind of uh, I the process is was a little bit different, I think, for me than any of my peers, um, a lot of girls that I play with now or played with in college, they all went to prep school and, um, you know, they were playing girls hockey or, you know, they were playing boys hockey and then they moved over to girls hockey and moved away from home and went to like Naha or Shattuck St. Mary's or some of these programs. And um, I never did that. Um, and so uh, I landed up at BU because uh, my oldest brother, Jesse, was uh, going to Brown and um, and I knew I had been to kind of the Rhode Island, Massachusetts area and and obviously knew of of some, you know, these schools because of my brothers um, and knew I kind of wanted to be in Boston. I did an unofficial to Wisconsin and um, the school really wasn't for me. It was too big. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of had an opportunity to see some of these schools, um, like I said, because of my brother and. Um, I just could weed out what I liked and didn't like. And um, I, it was really came down to Harvard and BU. And, 
I landed on BU. Uh, long story short, um, they had, I had just gotten, um, the uh, Harvard, I didn't get into Harvard admissions. I had gone through the yeah. process for like a year and, uh, long story short, ended up, um, committing to BU when they didn't have, they only had one scholarship left and I ended up taking that scholarship, um, the last one left. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's how I landed there. Yeah. And obviously you got to play under coach Brian DeRocher, uh, who just recently retired. Um, how, how cool is it to play for a guy like that who really cares about the growth of women's hockey? And what did he mean to you both on and off the ice? Because every player I've talked to from BU says he always calls on your birthday to wish you a happy birthday, no matter how far you were in the alumni circle, which I think is pretty cool. And he's always like dedicated trying to keep you guys together. Yeah, he, uh, BD's awesome. Um, you know, he, yeah, he, he cares. He cares a lot. I think that's what was so special. Um, I think through him, even through the recruiting process was he just cared a ton. Like he flew from, you know, in kind of like a day turnaround, flew from Boston to Seattle, drove from Seattle to Vancouver, had like a two hour meeting with me and my dad at my house and then turned around and went back to Seattle and flew back to Boston. Like, He's a guy that goes to kind of um, every length possible because he truly cares about, um, you know, the players. And, yeah, he calls you every year on your birthday or you'll randomly get a call from him. There's no rhyme or reason whatsoever. I'll, you know, check my caller ID or I'll see a voicemail and it's like Coach D giving giving you a call um, about, like, the randomest things. But he's always calling to check in, you know, make sure things are going well. But, um he's we always you know would joke and call him the mayor of mayor of boston because everyone knows him and everywhere you went if you said you played at bu they're like oh brian derocher tell him i say hi i know him from x y and z back you know here and there and um you know i think that just speaks volumes to him as a person and um you know i i can't believe you know he's he's retired and or you know i guess i don't even know if i could call him retired yet but you know yeah uh, I just can't believe that, you know, we're there. But, uh, yeah, no, he, he made my experience a great time at, at BU. And, obviously, we had a very successful run when, um, you know, when I was there. So uh, he's a huge part of the reason why I went there. Yeah, no, it's going to be weird not seeing him behind the bench uh, next season. But I think they're going to find a great replacement for him, uh, especially since uh, he's built such a great culture. It's usually easy to follow up with something like that. Yeah, yeah Definitely. Now, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make as a freshman in college hockey? Uh, not full contact. Uh, I think my PIMs speak for themselves. Um, it took me, quite honestly, five, six years, even a couple years after being in the pro game to to change the physicality of it. Uh, you know, now they're letting a lot more go at the college level, which is awesome. So now when I'm doing these broadcasts, like it's, you see that a lot of the roughing is changing and, and the rules are kind of changing, but that was the biggest adjustment for me. I, I really don't think it was um, speed or or skill um, because, you know, I was playing with men, but it was kind of not being able to, to just either open ice hit or even just like really physical along the boards. Um, things are definitely changing now, so I think maybe it would be an easier adjustment Um if I was coming into the college game now with my background, but um, yeah, that was probably the biggest adjustment. 
what was the biggest hit that you uh, you gave someone during your college career? There's probably a good one since you're, that was an adjustment for yourself. I think my first game at home, uh, I smoked a girl. Uh, <laughs> you know, she was coming in the neutral zone, and she was, you know, on a regroup pass and was kind of looking behind. And I was just so accustomed to really separating the body first. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, in the women's game, you you, you can't do that. Um, and so as a defenseman especially, it was a very, very big adjustment. But, yeah, I had my fair share of, you know, some, some good contact hits. But, um, you know, I – I tried to keep it as clean as possible. I, I don't think that um, I'd like to think that I'm not a dirty, you know, player. I was never a dirty player in that regard. But, um, you know, it was hard. You had first instincts to really, like I said, separate the person from the puck first and foremost and then get the puck. So, uh, yeah. Now let's talk about your freshman year and work all the way down to your senior year. So during your freshman year, you, you had one of the best teams in the country, uh, but you lost your first hockey's playoff game to Northeastern. How did your team handle that adversity, and what was your team's mindset heading into the national tournament during your first year of college hockey? Oh, my God, you're making me really, like, date back here, thinking about college, freshman freshman year. But, yeah, I remember – so that year uh, – yeah, we had I mean, such a good team, um, and we had a really good season. And then um, that first Hockey East uh, final game that we had at home, and we ended up losing, um, which is crazy. But I think it was kind of a a good thing for us, actually, at the time, because um, we ended up landing well in pairwise so that we were going to still be able to play at home that year. Um, to get a berth into NCAAs. So I think it kind of was a blessing in disguise for us, but it was definitely a wake-up to know that, like, we weren't as good as, you know, we may have thought that we were at the time. Um, and, and Northeastern was still a really good team. And I think um, I think Kendall Coyne, Schofield, ended up scoring the game winner that that time around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's all I kind of remember. <laughs> But you did get your first uh, NCAA tournament win at Walter Brown, uh, beating Mercyhurst four to two. Talk about what it was like getting that win and beating a Mercyhurst team that had one of the best college hockey players, Megan Augusta. I think I read somewhere where she had like three hundred points in her college hockey career, which is pretty unbelievable to think about. So, what was it like playing that team and getting your first uh, national tournament win? Yeah, she she was insane. They actually had a really good team that year. Um, yeah, I mean it was a. It was a first experience for for BU. Um, They had won, you know, Hockey East the year before for the first time kind of ever. And then um, it was the first time that we were getting a berth to to Frozen Four, um, which is, you know, or to quarterfinals NCAA tournament for the first time ever. So, and the program was newer then too. So it was really cool to be a part of. I think as a freshman, that's something that um, you want to take advantage of because, you don't really realize that that opportunity may never, ever come again. And so that was something that I know after seeing the foundation of what our like juniors and seniors and people who had been there before had been building until that point, it was something that they hammered home was just how really cool that was for the program. So I think that's what really stuck in my mind is, um, you know, when we beat Mercyhurst, uh, not only did we throw a crazy party uh, that night, which was pretty cool, <laughs> and the parents really got involved in that, um, but I just remember how special that was really for the program and kind of putting BU at that point on the map is really what it did. What's that pizza place that's in BU that everyone goes to after wins? I forgot the name of it. T. Anthony. There's, 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I remember talking to one of the guys that goes to BU, and he says every win, that's where they go. Um, so I'm yeah. assuming that, that that place must have been buzzing after that win. Yeah, T. Anthony's T's Pub, which is now closed down. I mean, that place was – yeah, we, we had a very good time. But, yeah, yeah, it was – I'll never forget that. It was fun. Now, that season you played in the national championship game and you guys fell short against Wisconsin. Uh, looking back on it now, how did you, how, what, what do you reflect from that game and just talk about, uh, your first, uh, Frozen Four experience as well? Yeah, we, so we, that, um, Mercyhurst actually hosted, um, that NCAA, which was kind of ironic. So, uh, we ended up going out to Erie, Pennsylvania and playing where like Erie Otters play at their facility, which was pretty sweet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable experience as a freshman. Uh, you, that's something that, like I said, like, uh, that was my first experience at college hockey. So I was really seeing kind of everything about it and just all the things that you want to be a part of, um, when you're playing college hockey. So that was cool. Um, yeah, we ended up playing Cornell in the semifinals, um, you know, spanking them pretty, pretty nicely. And then to play Wisco and Wisco's team, I mean, if you look at their roster, um, that season where they won, I mean, they were, had every U.S. Olympian, Canadian Olympian in the book. They were, I mean, we were stacked, but they were very, very stacked. Um, and, uh, I really don't think that we were ready to, to play a team like that. I think we needed probably, uh, a few more games, uh, maybe prepping against some WCHA teams. Uh, to get ready to play Wisco. I think we were kind of out of our element, uh, quite honestly, when we played them. Um, just because there was so much going on, it was like a sold out crowd. Uh, there's all these things that come into play that I think for a lot of us, it was our first time ever being a part of it, even our seniors. So, um, but I mean, super cool experience and, uh, you know, uh, just very enjoyable. I wish we won it, but, um, cool to be a part of. Yeah, I think that's arguably one of the best women's college hockey teams of all time. I think they had Brianna Decker and Hillary Knight on the same team, which is and, pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, and Megan Duggan, um, Lawler, Packer, uh, Kelly Nash. I mean, they have some players that some of the best college hockey They're players. They're going to be Hall of Famers, some of them, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at that roster, top to bottom, um, even some of their defensemen, I mean – if you're going to lose to a team, I'm happy it was that team. Yeah, yeah, so there's no shame in that. But we'll no. talk about the other championship game in just a few minutes. But I do want to talk to you about your sophomore year because you guys won your first hockey's championship, beating Providence in double overtime. Uh, talk about that experience of winning your first conference championship during your second year in college hockey. And what emotions were you feeling after getting that first win? Because I feel like that was the first time BU got like a trophy uh, with your uh, class, obviously. Yeah, I think we were we felt a little snake bitten um, freshman year just because of you know the run that we had ended up going to Frozen Four final and you don't win you know your hockey East when we easily probably should have won that um, with the team that we had. So uh, for us, it was definitely a mission to to win hockey East. I think the biggest thing we realized too is you you're better served uh, winning that hockey East championship because you automatically really get that berth in. And if you don't, you're you're relying on pairwise. And um, that was kind of our biggest mission. I remember as a sophomore, um, sophomore year, just all the classes were kind of talking about, like, we really need to win Hockey East. And so, again, we had a, we had a really good year. And um, going into Providence, had a good team at the time. They had Genevieve Lacasse as a goalie who stood on her head um, anytime we played them. And, uh, yeah, I remember that win with seven seconds left, I think, in, in OT. And, 
Um, yeah, we ended up scoring and, um, you know, that was, that was cool. That was our first kind of run at winning hockey's championship. The games were then played at, um, in Hyannis. So on the Cape at uh, their rink there. So you had all the local youth kids from, from, you know, the Cape and South shore areas of Boston coming to the game. So that place was packed. Um, our BU band came down and that arena and that atmosphere was really cool. So it, it was a pretty special place to, to win. We ended up winning all of our hockey's championships there for the next couple of years. So, um, yeah, it was a cool experience. Yeah. Do you wish they still did it at Hyannis? I know they played in the campus of the higher seed. So, and I'm, I kind of wish they sort of had a host team every year, like say like BU hosted one year, then Northeastern hosts next year. I just feel like, it would be better having one single location so the semifinal games aren't being played at the same time. Yeah, I think the um, having it at that one kind of neutral site area was a great experience for BU. That's kind of, I think, the running joke through um, at least some of the alumni classes past me were always said, like, you know, Hyannis was like BU's like home rink. That was kind of the joke. And no other team wanted to play at Hyannis because they knew for some reason it was really well suited for us. We had a lot of luck there. But, um, yeah, I think having kind of a same host area is, you know, it, I think it's better for, for all teams. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Now, you played in one of the most memorable games I've ever watched um, That in that tournament. You guys lost 8-7 to seven to Cornell in third overtime. Uh, what do you remember from that game and how chaotic was it as well? Because I remember, I think it was Pelan, her shot got blocked by uh, Lorianne Rogo, and then she basically just got a breakaway and just buried the backhander, if something like that, if I'm, if my memory serves me correct. Yeah, basically it was, uh, yeah, that was a long, long hockey game. Um, yeah, all I remember is, yeah, we ended up, um, we were down, we scored, uh, what was it, three or four unanswered goals to come back and tie it. And then I just remember in between, because um, we we had uh, ice cleans in between every single overtime, that we were, our our head trainer at the time was coming around, our strength coach was coming around with, like, candy, and she was like, you need, like, was, like, throwing, you know, Sour Patch Kids at us and candy. She's like, you need to have all the sugar that you can right now. I mean, we played, like, you know, two full hockey games, um, you know, 20-minute periods those overtimes were. So it wasn't, like, a five-minute overtime or anything like that, which is kind of insane. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a game where it was getting to a point where everyone was gassed. And, like, while you wanted to win for sure, you kind of were, like, can someone just score at some point, please? <laughs> because it was so exhausting. But, uh, yeah, that's basically what happened. I mean, um, ended up coming the different way. It was like a three on one. Um, I was actually the defenseman that was out and, um, yeah, Lorianne Rougeau ended up scoring and, um, yeah, I mean, that was devastating because you just played so freaking long in a hockey game. But, um, yeah, that was, I think, I don't know if to this day it's still the longest. Uh, NCAA game in history. I don't know if anyone ended up beating it. Uh, the Duluth North Dakota game a couple oh, years it? ago went five overtimes. Did it? Okay, so there yeah. you go. Yeah, but up until then, it was yeah, it was a long ass hockey game. Yeah, that's why I'm. I I know everyone loves those overtime games, but at some point, I feel like there needs to be some contingency plan to like figure out a way to end it because I just feel like. It's a game of will, not skill at that point. You're just trying to – the bounce either goes one way or it's sort of like the team with the most energy at that point gets the win. And yeah. I just feel like 
it's also not good for players' health too, because if you have like a semifinal game that happens, I feel like you're already at a disadvantage if you win and have to play a championship game the next day or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But Cornell is good too, though. At the time, they had a lot of uh, Canadian Olympic or now they're you know Canadian Olympics or Olympians. So they, I mean, again, like if you're gonna lose to some of these teams, they were pretty, they were stacked uh, that year at the time. But yeah, it was a long hockey game. Now, your junior year, BU was probably one of the best teams in the country again. I'm just curious, how did you guys maintain that consistency throughout a regular season? And obviously, there was a lot of targets on your back, so sort of how did you handle that pressure as well? Yeah, junior year was, um, was a you know, I think a year that we thought that we actually had a chance to really go all the way just based off of how good of a season that we were having. Um, I think we... We definitely, um, you know, we ran into a team again, like a Minnesota team that, (laughs) I mean, they were on their undefeated win streak. They ended up, I think when they ended up beating us, they went 80, did they not go 80 some odd games in a row or something? They had gone three seasons without losing. I don't remember if that was the season they were undefeated or not. I know I remember BC was undefeated one year, and then they lost the national championship game. I know Minnesota was undefeated as well, but I forgot what year it was, to be honest with you. I didn't write that down. So Minnesota, it was that year that the Gophers were undefeated. So when they ended up beating us um, in in the national championship final, they were completely undefeated for the last couple seasons, or at least the last season. Um. So again, we were running into a team where um I want to say Kessel was out the year prior because of concussion, then she ended up coming back to play that season. Um they also had a team that, you know, was very stacked. But I mean, you're running into a team that's, you know, a complete powerhouse that is undefeated and have a ton of momentum, but um I think again, like we are, we are a little bit more prepared. I think that game um, going into a national championship final because a lot of us had known what to expect because we were a part of kind of that first, um, you know, iteration of playing Wisco. But um, it's hard to play at, um, you know, at, at Minnesota with Minnesota fans. And it was like 5,000 plus, you know, fans standing room only. And everyone's chanting frickin' the Minnesota chant when, you know, they score. Oh, I hate, the, I hate that chant. It's you know, so like, annoying. I'm sorry. It's terrible. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you're playing in front of that again. Like, there was just a lot of things I would say weren't really in our favor. But, um, again, we won a hockey's championship that year. And, um, you know, we made a good run at it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we faced, again, another really good team. It's hard to win. Yeah. I'll tell you that. It's really hard to win. Yeah, especially in that era where you played in, because I feel like the best teams literally had some of the most talented women's hockey players of all time. Like we mentioned, that Wisconsin team, that Cornell team out of 10 Olympians, and obviously that Minnesota team. If it's not that Wisconsin team, that was the greatest team of all time. It could have been that Minnesota team. I know they had Kessel. I think they had Lee Steckline that year as well, who I think is an underrated defender. They had Bozak. They had Steckline. They had uh, uh, Ratu and Nett. I mean, we're talking some of the best female hockey players that probably will, like you said, will end up being Hall of Famers. Kessel's definitely a Hall of Famer. I think Steckline should be too, but it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how that works out. Yeah. So um, Hannah Brandt they had as a forward. I mean, you know, I went through an era of college hockey that is, uh, you know, 
it was it's a different era of hockey i would say from when it was now to me to maybe now but yeah it seems like today it's a little more spread out which i think is good because it means more parity and there means more like it's not just the same teams but back in your era there were some of those great teams that were all and it was fun seeing those teams match up in the frozen four that's something that was those were some very memorable games yeah definitely I do want to ask you about the run, though, to that national championship because you did have some very uh, memorable moments. Obviously, you won a hockey East championship, again, this time beating your bitter rival, Northeastern. And then you guys beat Mercyhurst and Clarkson, uh, which were top 10 opponents at the time of when you guys played those games. So talk a little bit about that run and what it was like getting those wins and just how – I feel like you remember those games just as much as uh, the championship game, obviously, because uh, just it's good for team bonding, but just great – winning games with uh, some of your close friends and teammates. Yeah, I mean, those those games are certainly always um, the hardest, really, like, kind of the hardest games um, playing your, you know, your first quarterfinal game and then the semifinal game. I remember, like, BC was in the semifinal, too, and it was interesting because we thought that we were maybe going to play BC. Like, that's kind of how it was slated to kind of stack up because they were having a really good season that year, too. And we were like, oh, my God, we're going to go all this way and we're going to end up playing BC. And we were pretty pumped about it because we were like, if we're going to beat BC, this is the best time to do it. And so we were hoping that, you know, they were going to end up winning their game and then they ended up losing. Um, And, you know, we ended up uh, we we never really played any of those teams prior. Like, I think we played maybe an out of conference game once against Clarkson when we did like a slew Clarkson run. But. Um, you know, that was another team too that had some great hockey players. If you look back at who they had on their roster, um, you know, they had, you know, Aaron Ambrose and Renata Fast and, um, Jamie Lee Rattray. I mean, they have some, you know, current Canadian national team players. So, um, you know, we were able to beat them. And then, um, yeah, I mean, those are games that, um, you know, you don't forget. Uh, the, and those are usually like, I'd say probably the hardest when you're coming out of, kind of, um, you know, that hockey's championship. I do want to ask you about one question about the national championship game. Obviously, it's very hard to lose a national championship once, but losing one twice seems heartbreaking to me. How have you sort of handled that um, years after that championship game happened? Is it something like, it's just something that is what it is, you sort of remember all the other good moments, or is it something that still, like, kind of bothers you inside a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you you want to win you obviously like you want to win. Um, and it, it's a joke. Like, you know, we, we were the first place losers, you know, a couple times and we won hockey East championships, but there's, you know, it's, uh, it's not that great to say like, wow, we came second twice or we were runners up twice. Like you, it sounds so stupid. Like when you say that to someone, they're like, Oh, how did you do, you know, in your college career? And, you know, you always want to say when you win, um, so it's easier. It'd be nice to say, oh, we won two national championships or we won a national championship. But, um, I mean, those games were like learning experiences. I think something for the players that have, you know, continued on to play, you know, at the pro level or, or the international level. Um, I think like for our group, I think that helped a lot of the people kind of, you got to learn to like how to lose to win. And I think at least for me personally, those times where we lost, I feel like I learned a lot as a player that um, I think I did that. I have taken and carried on kind of into the pro game, but um, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Losing sucks and losing in a national championship game definitely sucks. 
Yeah, some of those uh, photos were very tough to look through uh, back in the day. Just some very emotional players on your team, which yeah. which I respect a lot. You put your heart out on your sleeve. Yeah. Now, during your senior year, you were named assistant captain. What type of leadership um, did you try to bring? Were you more of a vocal or lead-by-example type of player? And I feel like that sort of has that translated now, I guess, as being a captain of your professional hockey team. Yeah, I think I I would say I'm definitely a lead-by-example kind of player. Uh, you know, yeah, more lead-by-example than vocal. I think that that's a side of my leadership that I've been uh, kind of trying to improve in the last couple of years um, at the pro game is is finding, um, you know, areas to be, to be more vocal. And I think I've definitely become a little bit more vocal than I than I was at the college college level. I was definitely like a lead by example kind of person. Um, and I, I felt like leading through work ethic and, and dedication and kind of craft as a hockey player was was a way that, you know, I really wanted players to respect me in that regard. So I think at the college level, that's how I led. I think now I. I, I lead maybe a little bit more differently or have maybe become a more well-rounded leader, um, I'd like to think. But, uh, but yeah. Now, one thing I want to ask you about as well is playing in the bean pot. I, even though BU never won, won when you were there, I always like playing in those games and representing your school for school pride because I feel like people that aren't from Boston don't understand how cool and how big the bean pot is here in New England. And it must have been interesting for yourself getting the chance to play in those games. Yeah, Beanpot was cool. I mean, we never won for all the hockey championships that we won. We never won Beanpot. Beanpot was like the curse for us. We'd always joke and be like, it's the, you know, the curse of the Beanpot for us, um, at least for, you know, our era. But, uh, you know, and really it was kind of the thing for BU for, you know, and still to this day. I mean, they've only Sammy won. Davis broke the curse a few years ago, though. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, BU's like never. You know, there there is something to be said about pride and in, in, in the bean pot in general in, in Boston, but um it's you get so pumped up for it, but for some reason we always kind of shit the bed by the time bean pot came around. I I don't know why, we just did. Um but it's a cool experience. I mean, it um it's something that, you know, no one really gets to be a part of unless you're uh, you know, in Boston and in New England and um, you know, it's just got a lot of history to it and uh you know, we were always playing in consolation games. I think maybe in one of my four four years, I got to play in an actual final at the Bean Pot. Um, other than that, I spent a lot of time at the consolation games. So, uh, yeah. There's nothing I hate more than the consolation game. I don't know why they play it. It just seems like a waste of time. <laughs> it is, and the worst thing is, is after you lose that first game, you're like, ugh, I got to play the five o'clock slot against whoever. You know, no, there's no fans in the building, obviously, until later. So. Yeah, and and those games, they do matter. That's the sad thing is, is like they but pairwise count, though, they not not for pairwise. the conference. Yeah, no, but they count towards pairwise. And I feel like I remember we always, you know, playing the consolation games. You're like, who freaking cares? We're in the consolation game. But then, of course, it would probably come to bite you in the ass for pairwise. But um, yeah, no, I mean it's special being able to play in it, and and now you know being an alumni and a fan. You know, you know how special and unique that tournament is. So now, during your senior year, you won another hockey's championship game. Did that? Does that? Did that one mean a lot to you? Uh, since that was your final like hockey's game, and obviously the final trophy you won during your BU career. Yeah, uh, that hockey's championship was was probably probably my favorite. Um, to be honest, I think what was so unique about senior year is 
no one thought that we were going to be any any good. Like, we kind of were painted as it was a building year for BU, is I think how a lot of people saw it. I think, you know, even at times, I think our own staff might have thought it at the beginning of the year. That was just kind of how we felt as a group was how no one really pegged us after having a really good, you know, junior year. And then we were, you know, losing uh, the players that we lost. And um, and so we just, yeah, we weren't slated to, to be anything um, special. And I think we proved a lot of people, you know, wrong or proved, you know, stuff to ourselves and our group. And we just had a unique group. Like, you know, you come across some unique teams that you, you play with that definitely make it the most special. And I think the group that we had um, that year was just a, a mix of, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of heart, a lot of grit. And, um, yeah, I think I'll always remember kind of that group that we had in the locker room that year. Now you played your final college hockey game um, against Minnesota. Uh, talk about the emotions you had after that game, knowing that was your final one. And I guess how has your BU college hockey experience helped you as a professional hockey player today? Yeah, that um, it kind of sucked being, you know, back in, in Minnesota again um, and then, you know, losing again. Like, I think they were still on their undefeated streak then when they beat us in the, the quarterfinals. So um, I think maybe then actually they were at their 80 and 0 or whatever they were at that point. But, um, yeah, I mean, back in Minnesota, you're playing in those. It was just like almost like a flashback to to the season prior. Yeah. What's on yeah. what that they do that. <laughs> um, with with a different team um again like i I think we were just happy to be there um and I'm probably more surprised than anything that we had even gotten that far, like I said, based off of how we were supposed to be going or trending towards, but yeah, I mean, it was sad i i you don't you never know how your last college hockey game or your last game in general is gonna gonna shake out, but um, you know, for it to kind of be a loss and just know that your college career was over. Um, for me, I was was tough because that for me, I thought I was kind of maybe didn't really know where where hockey and my hockey career was going. Um, it definitely wasn't over. I was still a part of like the Canadian national team program at the time, but I didn't really know what the future held for for hockey just because the landscape of women's hockey was so different then. So I think for me, it was kind of bittersweet. Um, I was kind of ready to be done with the college game, but I was also knowing that I had a lot more hockey to give as a hockey player. Um, and I didn't even think that I was really near my maybe peak potential as a player. So, um, yeah, I feel like it was kind of a bittersweet moment for me. Now, obviously you played with a lot of fantastic players during your time at BU, but I do want to ask you about one, uh, Mary Philippon. We talk about different Hall of Famers. She's definitely a Hall of Famer, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, everyone knows how great she is as a hockey player, but what was it like being your teammate and what she's, what is she like, I guess, off the ice? Like, uh, just talk about like, you know, some of the conversations you guys had and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Poo's a, she's a, obviously a really great hockey player. And then I think day in and day out was just a very, you know, very dedicated to her craft and was a very hard worker. I mean, everything in practice to in the gym. And, um, she was, a a player that we all respected and looked up to. I think she she was really good in that regard. Um, but, you know, she's also like a normal person, like, you know, like any, like all of us. And so I think, um, you know, it was funny. I think freshman year when she came in, she didn't really speak English that well. So, um, you know, she, I think, got better, like definitely got better in her English, you know, over the years. But uh, she's a pretty laid back person, really funny, good humor. Um you know, we had 
a lot of good times, um, highs and lows in, in college. But yeah, she, she was with us for, um, you know, our three years and then our fourth year, she, she ended up redshirting. So, um, you know, we spent our, our three years together, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, just a very dedicated person on the ice, but very normal person off the ice. <laughs> Do you ever brag to any family members when you watch the Olympics? Like I just, I played with, uh, one of the best women's hockey players of all time. I mean, I, I, you could say that about a lot of the players, right? The, I know, yeah. Right? It's, now, when you get to that older age, you're like, I've played with really all of them, the U.S. and, and Canadian. Mm-hmm. played with her against, I shouldn't say play with. But, yeah, I mean, you always remember the people that you, you know, actually played with in your college career. But there were some great players that came through BU. I mean, there was Jen Wakefield, Tara Watchhorn, um, Catherine Ward, uh, you know, Obviously, Pooh, um, Isabel Menard. I mean, there's, in my time, there was a lot of really good hockey players. So, um, and there's a lot of good hockey players that are playing pro now that, you know, didn't play, um, at the Olympic level that are now playing professional, professionally, and they're kind of carving a whole new path for, for women's yeah. hockey. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you get older, you've played with and against all those people that you're just like, you know, those are your teammates, your current teammates, your former teammates. So um, just good to see familiar faces. And it's, you know, good to see where all these players are playing and, um, you know, you know, good for them that are, you know, making these teams. And it's awesome to see because you see how hard they work off the ice and, and the stuff that they do outside the game. So um, it's awesome to see, you know, them having success. Yeah, BU has so many great women's hockey alumni. Obviously, like, even after you played with, like, Jesse Coffer, Rebecca Leslie, Victoria Bach, like, the list just goes on. And I totally agree with you about the PHF. Like, your team has so many talented players that don't get enough recognition, in my opinion. Like, I love Christina Putini. I think she has one of the best shots in the PHF. And obviously, you're a very talented player as well. So hopefully, like I said, the league continues to grow. And that sort of leads into my next question. But what should be done to help grow women's hockey, in your opinion? And what are you guys doing now to help get the sport, I guess, trying to get more fans to watch the sport? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot still that needs to be done at the at the pro level. Um, but I mean, what we've accomplished or what the women's game has accomplished in the last eight years is, is, is huge. And especially in the last three to four years is really groundbreaking, I think, for taking the next step in the sport. And you see the salary cap now increasing again for, for next season and, um, you know, working on getting the minimum in the league and the average in the league up to a place that, um, you know, where women that are playing at the professional level don't have to work another job. You know, I've, I've, like I said, been working other full-time jobs and I'm not the only one. There's, you know, girls that have been continuing on education, they're nurses, they're doc, you know, lawyers or they're um, teachers or whatever they're doing. So obviously we want to get the sport in a place where you don't have to do that. And, you know, that next generation can really just be like, you know, what not not what I did, right? Like I played boys hockey, like I said, and, you know, I had this like very unique path, but my hope is that, you know, a girl coming through can just say like, I want to grow up and be a, a hockey player. And if she wants to, doesn't matter if she ends up doing it or not full time, but the fact that she just even has the opportunity to kind of dream and create that goal for it, I think is the most important thing. But like I said, it's uh there's a long way to go. You know, there's still still things where more teams, you know, we need more teams. We need more sponsorship dollars. We need more visibility, more time on TV. I mean, I could go on and on at the list, but we're making baby steps. And I think each year, um, 
I shouldn't say baby steps. We're making big steps and big strides. But um, I think the fact that there's even that kind of path now for girls coming out of college or entering into college, um, you know, that's something, like I said, like I never had. I didn't even know that that even could even be a possibility. So, um, so yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited for the future. I feel like you don't want every four years for to people to like want to watch and care about women's hockey. You want something every year for people to look forward to. And I feel like you guys are doing a good job with that, with the Isabel Cup playoffs and how it's going to different places. And like, I, I hope it continues to grow. I think the ESPN plus thing was huge, but like you mentioned, you sort of want to get it on mainstream TV as well. So when people just scroll and watch it for like two minutes, that's like some, you just got a new fan because at least they might tell somebody and stuff. That's just, I think the word of mouth thing is also huge as well. Yeah, I think even to just, I mean, this is such a great time to, to be a female athlete, like to be a female athlete and be a part of women's sports because it's, it's, uh, it's a top of mind conversation. It is. And it's a, it's a lot more, um, of a conversation at a table than it ever used to be, right? Like the conversation when I was growing up was like, uh, women's hockey is boring. Like it's not good. It's now like a lot of that conversation isn't necessarily like it's not good. It's not exciting. The conversation is, okay, what do we need to do to get it to, you know, women making more money playing it? Or what do we need to do to get more visibility? And, you know, people are starting to want to invest in teams. And and now it's like, okay, how do we take that conversation in the right direction? Um, And it's nice that the, the 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 topic of conversation isn't like oh well that hockey sucks it's not very good because that's what it used to be like and I mean there's a, definitely a bunch of naysayers out there that don't know anything about hockey and will make their comments and that's fine I mean there's people that make those comments about um, all different sports male or female so but um, but yeah it's uh, it's a long way to go but I'm excited for the future it's very promising and um, you know I I don't know what Maybe I'll be coaching or doing something um, at the yeah. pro <laughs> outside of playing sometime soon. So yeah, I feel like all the people that like say like all oh, women's hockey sucks are the same people that are like oh I could probably beat Connor McDavid in like a one on one. It's like what are yeah. you talking about, man? Like yeah. it's I just yeah, like, it's I like, can't even take your opinion seriously. Yeah, yeah, those are the people that have never put on a pair of skates in their lifetime or never have grown to appreciate the game mm-hmm. when they make comments like that. So. And I can tell you this right now, every NHL player that I've seen has nothing but good things to say about women's hockey. And they obviously, because they know what it takes to make it to that level and be that successful. And when those players are saying that, I feel like other casual fans should as well. Yeah, I think players at at, at all levels um, in the pro side of of men's hockey really have grown to um, appreciate the sport. And they don't care. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female. They appreciate good hockey. And I think... You know, there's a lot of them that that definitely appreciate the game, and um, you know, there's so many good players coming through, and they're only getting better, right? The next generation is only getting better and quicker, faster, stronger, and you're seeing that very much so on the women's game. So it's pretty cool. Now I've already taken up a lot of your time, but I do want to ask you one more fun question. Is I think the Boston Pride has the best pregame outfits in all of the PHF. I saw what you guys did last week. I thought that was pretty impressive. I think you might have the best style in the league. <laughs> Um, unbiased opinion, obviously, but uh, t- talk about how you guys sort of plan that stuff out and who do you think has the best style on the Pride? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Like, love, you know, getting into the pregame fits. And I think that's something that 
it allows us to all have a personality. Um, you know, I'm someone that like I work in in fashion. I've you know, my mom was a fashion designer and um, I have always had a love and passion for for that kind of stuff. So um, I uh, it's it's an opportunity to have fun. And I think a lot of players are starting to have fun with it, too. And, um, you know, people love to see it, like the amount of comments that we kind of get on them being able to see the outfits that the women are wearing. You know, you see a lot of the guys always wearing suits and same thing, though. You guys get to be a little more creative, though. We have a lot, you know, we get <laughs> creative. I think hockey in general, right? Like that's a whole topic of conversation is how do we get, you know, it's a different type of pregame fit maybe with traditionally with men's hockey players than it has, you know, been for maybe basketball players or, and so you start to see that, you know, female hockey players aren't maybe what people stereotypically would think we are or used to think we are. Maybe that stereotype has definitely, you know, changed. Um, And so they're starting to see that, you know, we all, are you know we all have our own unique style whether it's you know feminine masculine edgy whatever it is so um yeah i mean we have people on our team that i think everyone's you know got their own unique style so um yeah yeah no i think my favorite's either yours sammy davis i think christina patini has good style too you all have good style but those are the ones that really stick out to me just because i feel like you guys wear flashy outfits <laughs> we like to have fun <laughs> Now, before we end this uh, meeting, I guess, do you have any shout-outs you want to give to any of your former BU teammates, current teammates, uh, family members, friends? Uh, feel free. The floor is all yours. Oh, I just, you know, shout-out to kind of like my family and uh, everyone who's been along for the ride. Uh, you know, my husband and my dog <laughs> have been around uh, for a long time to kind of see the ride. But, uh, yeah, no, family is a huge part of it. I think both my brothers, Jesse and Casey, and, and my mom, we lost my dad um, a year ago. So, um, so he, I mean, he was a huge part of it. So just a shout-out to them, and um, they've kind of seen the highs and lows of everything from beginning till till now. So, um, you know, they're a huge part of the reason where I am today. So. Well, thank you so much, uh, Kaylee, for your time. It means a lot to myself. And thank you so much for coming on and talking about your Boston University College hockey experience. I enjoyed listening to it, and uh, uh, hopefully others will as well. But thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You got a smile that makes the sun rise. Yeah.